Legends, Folklore, and History of New England. A podcast for kids, by kids. Welcome to this week's episode of Legends, Folklore, and History of New England. I'm your host, Molly. And I'm Bridget. This week we are moving away from the spooky for a little bit of a history lesson. We are going to share the stories of two important young African Americans who made a difference during the Revolutionary War era in Massachusetts, Phyllis Wheatley and Peter Salem. Phyllis Wheatley was born in 1753 in West Africa. She was kidnapped and sold into slavery, and she was purchased by a family in Boston when she was around seven or eight. The journey lasted over 200 days across the ocean. More than 21 enslaved people died on the trip. Phyllis was a weak and sickly girl, so the fact that she survived the trip was a miracle. We don't know what her name was prior to being transported to Boston, but since she arrived on a ship named Phyllis, the family who purchased her named her Phyllis. At the time, it was customary for enslaved people to be called by their owner's last name, Since the Wheatley family purchased her, her full name became Phyllis Wheatley. By all counts, Phyllis was incredibly bright. She quickly learned English, and her intelligence was apparent to all those who met her. Less than 18 months after arriving, she could read the most difficult passages in the Bible. Mrs. Wheatley decided to start tutoring Phyllis soon after she arrived. This was incredibly unusual at the time. Most enslaved people never received an education. In many states, it was illegal to teach enslaved people to read or write. But Phyllis had ended up in a household that, for whatever reason, decided to go against tradition. Phyllis quickly learned how to read, write, and speak English, Latin, and Greek, in addition to speaking her native language. She studied history, geography, astronomy, and theology or religion. She became very fluent in every language she studied. Phyllis no longer had to perform her household duties like the other enslaved people in the Wheatley household. Phyllis mingled with guests and Mrs. Wheatley scolded anyone who did not recognize Phyllis's higher status. There are few different theories why the Wheatley family treated Phyllis so differently from other people of color at the time. Right before her arrival in America, the Wheatleys lost their daughter, Sarah. She was around the same age as Phyllis. Some believe Phyllis, some believe Phyllis became more of a daughter figure to Mrs. Wheatley, who was desperately missing her daughter. Other people believe that the Wheatleys used Phyllis as a status symbol, that they were so rich they could pay for help that didn't need to work. Or, in later years, as Phyllis became more famous, they enjoyed sharing her spotlight. Either way, Phyllis had opportunities that made that the majority of other African American and enslaved individuals didn't have during the 17 and 1800s. Phyllis loved poetry and read all the different poets at the time. She also became deeply religious. Much of her poetry reflects her new religion. Phyllis was trapped between two worlds. On the one hand, she was educated like wealthy white people at the time, 
but always understood her place in that society, was never equal. Even when invited to dine with the Wheatley's friends, she always declined to sit at the same table. Later in life, she did start writing more on emancipation of enslaved people and her own journey to America. So Phyllis wrote her first poem when she was 12, and it was published in 1767. She was the first African-American poet to be published. In 1773, when she was about 20, her first book of poetry was published. That same year, the Wheatleys granted Phyllis her freedom, almost 13 years after she first arrived in Boston. So even though this whole time the Wheatleys were raising her like a daughter, giving her education, and traveling the world together, they waited years before giving her freedom. As a free woman, she published both anti-slavery letter and a poem to George Washington, whom she had met. Washington wrote to Wheatley thanking her and praising her great poetical talents. She married John Peters, a free black man, and went on to publish several more poems. Towards the end of her life, she went back to work as a domestic servant, but she remained free until the end of her life. Phyllis died when she was 31. She accomplished a lot in what was a really short life, even considering people didn't live as long back then. So one of the things we hope to do with this podcast is to share some history of people and places in New England that maybe you didn't always hear about, in addition to talking about legends and folklore. Phyllis Wheatley's story is one of these we thought was important to share. Not only was she a kid when she accomplished some pretty amazing things, but she lived in a time where it was almost impossible for an African-American, especially a girl, to do them. I imagine she had to be so scared on that ship. I can't imagine going through that. To not know the language or where you are going and never seeing your family again must have been awful. If you get the chance to study poetry, look up Phyllis Wheatley. Our second story is about Peter Salem. Peter was born to slavery in 1750. We don't know much about Peter's early life. But as an enslaved boy in Massachusetts, at the time he likely performed duties within the house or on the small farms. We do know his first owner lived in Salem before moving to Framingham, and it is believed his last name was because he had lived in Salem. He was sold to Major Lawson Buckminster in 1775. Major Buckminster freed Peter so that he could join the militia, to fight the British. At that time, enslaved people were forbidden from serving in the militia. A militia is like a little army made up of regular people. Peter fought at the Battle of Lexington and Concord. We will have a future episode on this and the ghosts that still haunt the battlefield. This is where the first shots were fired in the Revolutionary War. But he became famous during the Battle of Bunker Hill just outside Boston. During this difficult and bloody battle, Peter was said to have shot and killed British Royal Marine Major John Pitcairn, the highest ranking British officer in the battle. After the battle, Peter met George Washington and was introduced by his superiors as the soldier who killed Pitcairn. 
The battle is shown in a number of paintings, with Peter included in the battle scenes. After the battle, General Washington made a rule that forbid African Americans from serving in the army, and Peter quit and returned to Massachusetts. In early 1776, the rule was changed and Peter re-enlisted to serve again. After the war, he remained part of the militia, got married, and earned a living making baskets and repairing chairs. He was popular among the people in his town, black and white. Upon his death, he was buried in the cemetery among his white neighbors, considered at the time an honor for a former enslaved person. Remember, this is back in the 1700s, and they had some really backward views about slavery and race. On June 17, 1882, Framingham, Mass., declared an annual Peter Salem Day, and a monument was erected on the old burying ground in his honor. If you go to the Minuteman National Park in Concord, you can see a statue of him. You can hear more about his history in the Patriots of Color exhibit there. So that wraps up this episode. Tell us what you thought. You can email us at contact at lfhne.com or message us on Instagram at lfhne underscore kids or at Facebook at lfhne. And if you are interested in learning more or seeing pictures of Phyllis and Peter, check out the links and resources page in our website, lfhne.com. Next week, we will be sharing some nautical New England tales. Say that ten times fast. See you next week. Remember, history is fun and sometimes a little spooky. Welcome back to this week's episode. It shouldn't be welcome back to this week's episode. It should be welcome to this week's episode. On June 17th, 1892. 1882.